This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello. Thank you for going to the Les Schwab Twires. Twires? I don't know. Hello. We appreciate you going to the Les Schwab. Les Schwab. Why it's can't like you v- say tires? Vive Clucot. It's the same Just thing. Just say tires. Uh, where, where do we pick up from? Hi, uh, everyone. You're listening to the Center in the Saint podcast. I'm Luke Anderson. I'm Will Darkins, well, and this is sponsored by Les Schwab Tires. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Yep. Enjoy. Doing the right thing since 6th as a matter of fact happy april to everybody march rolls on for the ducks as they win their first <laughs> round game get ready they, I, here's what i think it's gonna happen i think they make it to the sweet 16 i'll tell you that right now i'm penciling the ducks through into the sweet 16 with a victory but i don't think they go beyond that how does that sound i'd put money on it <laughs> i think that's a safe bet can I'll I get a score prediction, too? I've also got the Lady Ducks going to the Final Four, but I think they fall to Baylor. I think that's going to be too much of a challenge That's for pretty them. homer of you, but I think it's a good bet. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think uh, Sabrina Inescu uh, can get him that far, but the uh, length and the strength of the Baylor Bears is going to be too much and overpower the Ducks. Okay, I'm so, just looking at my crystal ball. So if you did listen to the update, Ben, <laughs> here's the thing. At our office... We have this thing where you open a file, and if you keep it open on one computer and go to another one, you can't open it in the same version. I don't know why. It's it won't really do stupid. like the read-only thing? It won't. Oh, I did not know that. And so it will take the last version of said file. Oh, so that was an update, bed of two weeks ago that I started reading, and then yeah. I go, yeah, it's not March. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah, this this is-, is all wrong. And then I go... Well, I can't really remember what I wrote. I do know the Blazers lost last night. Yeah. I know they're one game ahead in the fourth spot. All right, let's go with that. Sure. (laughs) That's a good start to the show. Happy March, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this dreary, dreary April showers kind of day. Uh, But you know what the nice thing about April showers? Mayflowers. Welcome. Why don't we start there with the Blazers? Uh, since that's the only thing that you remember. I remember the Blazers. I know you remember the Blazers. That's the only thing you can remember from your update. You ju- literally just said that. I'd rather start with Pop-Tarts. All right, let's go with Pop-Tarts. I'm okay with that. I'm up for an audible. We did a poll at Center Saint 1080 with some hot 
Pop-Tart Talk, and this was all uh, created by Chris Beard, who is the head coach of Texas Tech. Which, by the way, Chris Beard is, uh, I'm going to call it a fun drunk. He just looks like a fun drunk. Well, yeah, but he stopped drinking beer, so he was doing a press conference. Apparently, he gave up beer and sweets and desserts uh, for uh, the season. So he wants all of his players to commit. He's in the press conference he's talking about, I need all my players to commit to something. So some of them gave up Netflix after 9 p.m., and some of them gave up social media, and some of them gave up whatever. He gave up beer and desserts. So he said that he's been eating a lot of Pop-Tarts because technically they're not a dessert. Is that accurate? Did I get that? Uh, Pretty much. Okay. So he said they're breakfast. Well, yes, which Pop-Tarts are breakfast. Or are they? Okay, so we put a poll up. At Center Saint 1080 on Twitter. Will, what does the poll say? How do you classify a Pop-Tart? So we got breakfast, which at this point, 29% of people believe it is a breakfast. Mm-hmm. 30% of people believe it's not really a food. Yeah, okay. 41%, which is the majority, say, hey, it's a snack. Okay. 0% say dessert. <laughs> Zero percent say dessert, which to me basically says there's a whole lot of people in denial out there who are eating it as like a thing at like two o'clock or like maybe nine o'clock at night and don't want to admit that that's their dessert. They're like, it's breakfast. It's a a, I'm rationalizing this No, because I think the people that eat it for dessert, like they go and grab it, don't even put it in the toaster, just eat it kind of raw. Not raw, but uh, un- unwarmed. A raw Pop-Tart. Yeah. It they, is kind of raw if you don't warm it up. Yeah, a little bit, a little uh, bit. So they eat it as a snack, and then for dessert, they go and just grab a spoonful of frosting. Yeah. Yeah, so that's not their dessert. Well, no, I, be- you, I feel like if that's what you're shoving into your face at the end of the day, there's something worse to follow it. Well, and you had an app point, too. You said, I don't think people are eating breakfast nowadays. Well, I, I said your generation, and, yeah. I, and I, I pointed at you as a millennial. People Even nowadays. Though, depending, on the, uh, depending on where I'm classified, I guess I'm a millennial too. But, yeah, I don't know how many people eat breakfast. I eat breakfast every Sunday. The rest of the week, I'm, I'm a granola bar and the car guy. Well, why don't you plan your own breakfast? Why don't you have some oatmeal? You know, that might get your digestive system going. You wouldn't be so plugged up all the time. Really? Do you want you want, you want to debate uh, digestive system? I've been talking to your family, dude. And, <laughs> uh, you know, Sharon's been saying how it's just every night with you, like, oh, yeah. my stomach hurts. And she goes, you need more fiber in your diet. And I said, I'm, I can try. I, I can try to tell him that he needs more prunes. He needs more oatmeal. The public call-out, I think, will get, finally get me motivated. Uh, I do okay on the uh, regularity uh, tip, but thank you thank you for that. Uh, but no, I just, I, I don't know. Are you eating Special K? I'm not. No, I just go Nature Valley. Oh, dude. How what? is your mouth not cut up? What do you mean? Dude, Nature Valley bars, those things just screw Oh, I go with the up. granola one. Not the... Straight up chopped, bro. <laughs> Straight up chopped. Straight up. Looks like uh, anyway. fish meat in my mouth. And then Sunday mornings, uh, me and the twins always make some breakfast. We either go pancakes, waffles, or, uh, you know, some variation of that. Occasionally, I'll, I'll do the omelet day. They're not much help with that because they can't crack eggs. But that's usually that's one day a week I go breakfast. Just one day? Yeah. Well, I mean, an actual breakfast where I cook breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you do a yogurt bowl every day and then black coffee. Yeah, it uh, it's I have like the complete opposite problem you have, which is like almost my digestive system is almost too active. Yes, exactly. But I've 
programmed it that way. Well, so. I appreciate you sharing that with everybody. But my point that I was making is that if people aren't having breakfast and you have bacon and eggs for dinner, it's still breakfast foods. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, because then I brought up the point of there's people who drink beer in the morning. Yes. And I said, okay, so then beer is a breakfast drink, right? No, no, here's the thing. Because well, people do beer. that. You'll have a brass monkey. I've, I've known friends that have brass monkeys in the morning, and yeah. they consider that like their Bloody Mary, right? They're just like, yeah. hey, dude, if somebody's going to have tomato juice with a little bit of liquor in it, like, I don't see the problem with me having a brass monkey with a little bit of orange juice. Like, what's what's the deal yeah, here? Red, red beer or a brass monkey, orange juice and beer, is they both qualify as breakfast breakfast drink yeah you so think that i think tomato juice and orange juice are breakfast drinks and you add vodka or beer to either of them and i think you're safe orange juice is a breakfast how many who goes to dinner and orders, orders an orange juice ever or lunch <laughs> you ever have an orange juice i'm gonna yeah i'll have the uh steak and uh an oj doesn't happen. Yes, can I have a uh, loaded baked potato and a child's glass of uh, extra high pulp orange juice, please? <laughs> Small orange juice, high pulp, no ice. I'm talking three-fourths of that glass is just straight up, like, just opaque, just just pulp. Yeah. Just, just like it's sludging down my throat. Like, I want you to put more pulp in that thing. I do go high pulp, and the only time I ever regret it is when I want to make a cocktail in the morning. The pulp just sticks to the ice ruins ruins a screwdriver yeah i uh you know and i've never enjoyed brass monkeys to tell you the truth sure i remember that we we tried to do it in college and maybe i just put too much beer in it or not enough beer not enough beer right yeah probably the case um i i never enjoyed them though and i never enjoyed bloody mary's either and (laughs) so i I guess this whole thing with like the the pop tarts because there's already somebody on 55305 better you today text sign that was saying that um, pop tart is basically just a flattened hand pie, which is yeah. kind of a good point, right? Because sure. pies are diver- desserts, and if you take, if you really deconstruct the pop tart as a as a whole, right, it's custard with some filling in the middle and some frosting. Where's the custard? Or the what, what do you call it? The 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 uh the pastry. The the uh the the the, the, the pastry. <laughs> The outside. Yeah, the outside. Yeah, the pastry. Yeah. Yeah, it's shortening mostly. It's fun toast. Yeah. So here's the other thing. Is there any <laughs> is there any other meal of the day that you use your toaster? Uh oh god, yeah, dude. Panini? Yeah. Panini? No, you use a panini press. Dude, you could totally make a panini in a toaster. I did it all the time. Wait, you take you make a sandwich. Yeah. And then you shove the whole thing in the toaster? That's right. Wait, toaster oven? No, no actual sir. toaster. No, sir, a toaster. And toaster un- ovens are absolutely ridiculous. And anybody that bought them, you wasted your money. And now, use the George Foreman grill to make your panini. I've never seen anyone shove an entire sandwich into a toaster. Look, you're kind of sacrificing melted cheese at the bottom <laughs> yeah, of the you toaster. Are. You're, you're sacrificing. You're creating a fire hazard is what you're doing. You're creating a fire hazard. Yeah. It will ruin your toaster. <laughs> this uh, is my suggestion. The life of your toaster, I'm going to say, is generally like, what, five years, maybe ten years? Sh- a good sure. five your window i've got a 13 years uh, on my toaster because i've got an anniversary coming up we got it for our wedding so. it probably shortens the lifespan of your toaster by 11 years okay so you're going through toasters yeah well but it's also perfectly browning your panini is and it melting the ch- yes it is do you yes. butter the bread before you put it into the toaster because the only way to have a proper panini is you have to you have to yeah. put okay get some aioli mayonnaise yeah. on there yeah. throw your cheese on both sides get whatever protein you'd like to put in the middle 
some tomato, a little bit of lettuce. Yeah, I'm okay. Then you just stick it in and push it down. I'm well aware of how a toaster works. I just figured. I don't think you do though. I've never made it. You kind of seem confused. I'm confused by the whole sandwich just shoved in there. Yeah, shove this thing in. (laughs) It smells like burnt cheese. Well, and here's the other thing: if if I'm doing that, the only the only sandwich I'm putting in the toaster is PB and J. Oh, that's worse. Why is that worse? Peanut butter. You don't burn it. Set it on low, just warm it up. Warm peanut butter is awesome. Oh, sorry. Some of us don't have settings on our toasters. <laughs> it used to. Freaking money bags over there. We got overloaded with cheese, and now the settings don't work. What's wrong with you? Hey, hey, did you know uh, that this weekend is uh, the Final Four and not the opening weekend of the tournament? Yeah. Um, did you know that? Well, you know, I, I discovered that midway through talking. <laughs> I, like, got there. You watch The Office, right? Uh, yeah, I've seen The Office. You know that scene where Michael says, no. uh, sometimes I just start talking, and then I kind of hope that I end up somewhere. I do that all the time, sense. but yeah. I don't I don't need to reference The Office to be aware of that. I knew what you were talking well, about. There's plenty of listeners that watch The Office that might resonate with that. There's also plenty of listeners that just start talking. I'm just, you know, and I'm trying true. to act more human and relate to other yeah. people's interests. Yeah, you know what? The office, uh, we fill, I filled in for Dusty and Cam, uh, for Dusty, on Dusty and Cam. Mm. Buck can reference anything that happens in the entire world to the office. Yeah. That's his talent. Buck is a producer of Dusty and Cam. Something came up on the show. As immediately after the show, he's showing a clip of the office. Do we need a reference to a television show to make it relatable when the whole idea of the TV show is to relate back to what happens in real life? Yeah, you do, because, well, first of all, let me just throw out that The Office is our our Seinfeld. Okay. For our generation. Sure. But, yeah, you do, because you relate to it, and then you want to go back to it, so then you can have, it's like a snowball effect of um, of uh, interpersonal relationships. See, see, it irritates me, because I my thing is when I watch a television show, I'm like, oh, I know someone that does that. Like the the television show has captured what people do. I think in the in the culture of binge binge watching, what we have to do is we have to find something to relate real life back to versus the other way around. The humor of Seinfeld, the humor of The Office, to me is when I watch it, I go, "Oh, that's relatable." And now we just take real life and we go, "Oh, with the internet, we can just queue up clips anytime we want, and now we don't have to relate it the other way." It feels like it's backwards. Mm. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm the one that screwed up, and you're right, Will, and I'm sorry. So uh, it's the Final Four this weekend. <laughs> that is correct. Why don't we start uh, start our sports portion of the show with that, and we'll do it next. You're listening to The Sinner and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. You ever wonder who the sinner is and who the saint is? Every day. So do I. It haunts me. I think it's a little bit of both in each of us. Mm. That's the whole thing. So it's like a Dr. Uh, Jekyll and Mr. Hyde complex? It's all of us, and it's none of us. Whoa. Yeah, it's pretty deep. So <laughs> so last Saturday, uh, I sat here uh, with my big, dumb sports brain and said how great the Final Four was going to be because it's going to be Duke, Kentucky, Gonzaga, and Virginia. Hey, I got one. And the only team I wanted to lose in the game was Virginia. Yes. That kid from Purdue, Carson Edwards, was awesome mm. in that game. 
And I'm like, dude, I need to see this guy in a Final Four. Why did I want to see Virginia in it? This kid is electric, and then they lose. And all of the other teams I thought would win lost. So here we are. We've got Auburn, Virginia kicking things off today. Then we got Texas Tech versus Michigan State. You pumped? No. Okay. Uh, this really is kind of one of the most disappointing Final Fours I can remember in recent memory. Uh, I mean, first off, Zion Williamson not in it. Yep. I mean, he was pretty much the tournament. They had a Zion cam, dude. I mean. <laughs> they did. Yes. And. You know, the biggest story that really came out of this week, there were two things. One, all save for good versus evil. But the other one was that, uh, you know, uh, him getting a rumored contract of $10 million a year from a quote-unquote rumored shoe company <laughs> overshadowed any other storyline that was going on with the Final Four teams. Yeah. I it, it did, man. People were like, people were paying attention more to that than they were the fact that I guess we all just forgot about Michigan State's players getting yelled at. Well, yeah, well, I think for <laughs> I think for college basketball, they needed Zion Williamson more than he needed to be in the Final Four. You know what I mean? He's going to be fine. And you talk about him overshadowing. I I mean, my news feed kept getting filled up with Zion Williamson playing pickup basketball and him just yamming on fools. And I'm like, good lord, this guy is going like. All the people that say he doesn't have a position at the next level or whatever it is, he's playing against guys that have the talent and the size to play in the NBA. And granted, all of them won't. But this guy is just a man amongst boys. He's going to be fine in the NBA. You just see everything that he can do physically. And I stand by that comparison to Bo Jackson, where it's just like in a sea of great athletes, this guy is absolutely next level. And I think with his athleticism, he wherever he ends up in the NBA is going to be the must-have ticket next year. There's no question about it. But the Final Four needed him way more than he needed the Final Four. The guys that are there now, I think it's it's kind of cool because it's a chance to go out and showcase and show who you are. So I think from that standpoint, as far as after last weekend's games, there are no one-and-dones in the tournament. This is uh, this is going to be guys that are, college basketball is probably the best you know opportunity they're going to have to be stars. You're not going to see a ton of NBA talent in the Final Four, so I think as college as far as college basketball goes, just as a sport, I think this is a good Final Four for that. But I think it sucks for CBS. Okay, so I would totally agree with you in terms of sucking for CBS, but I do have to say I think this does kind of prove the point and finally just resolves it for everybody and we can just agree yelling works right absolutely i Tom don't think there's Izzo any question about that screamed at his player was was irate he was about to have a femoral artery burst from his skin and now they're in the final four yeah yelling works it absolutely well i think it totally it, works jason sukanik one who came onto his program uh, i think dusty kind of felt the same way too i'll, I'll Big portion of the fan guys were not having this, not having Tom Izzo yelling at his players. You I, you were one of those guys. I was one of those guys. But then they started winning, and I go, oh, I guess when it, uh, yelling does work. And I remember coaches that I had in the past that did yell at me. I remember those teams being pretty good. Yeah, well, I mean, growing up, you have yelling, you have fighting in your house or whatever. You and your brother probably fought all the time. It doesn't ruin your relationship. A lot of times it strengthens it, you know. It's... 
Tom Izzo has had a, had a ton of success, and he's done it without one and dones. He's done it without superstars. I mean, the the greatest player that ever played for him, Draymond Green, that team didn't win anything. I mean, the the Tom Izzo teams that you look back and you go, man, that team was outstanding. Really, are teams? Did he coach uh, Jason Richardson? Trying to remember if he coached Jason. That's a long time ago. That is a long time ago. I know he had. The, it was the Mateen Cleaves years uh, <laughs> is, is where I go back to remember him. But that guy was a great college basketball player and did nothing in the next level. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to find that out. He definitely did not coach Magic Johnson. Um. Oh. Uh oh. Huh. Well, the other thing, too, is you look at a coach like Bruce Pearl that's in this thing, too. You've got Tony Bennett, Bruce Dude, Pearl. Jason Richardson played with Zebo. There you go. I forgot about that. Was, that was a sick team. Was Tom Izzo coaching that team? Dude, Charlie Bell, Zach Randolph, and um, Jason Richardson. Yeah, Tom Izzo was coaching that team. There you go. So he's had some talent. Yeah, I mean, he had. I, I totally forgot about how good that team is. Yeah. So did I. <laughs> Good job. Me as well. <laughs> we can go back through all of the rosters for Michigan State. I yeah. mean, they've they've certainly had some guys, but it's always been it's always been these teams that have won for him. And there's not I don't think there's a ton of NBA talent on this team, at least what I've read. There's no I mean, look at Duke, who has three lottery picks for next year, all freshmen one and dones. And then you have the greatest coach in in modern college basketball, which which is Shashevsky. And Izzo went and just kind of dismantled them. I mean, they they in that game, Michigan State was down big, but they they for long stretches they completely stopped Duke from scoring in their Elite Eight game. And now you and now you've got a chance to go out and all you have to do is get through Texas Tech, who doesn't seem to be seems to be the team that doesn't quite fit in this tournament to me. Uh, I know they were an Elite Eight team last year. I know that they've got elite defense, but for some reason they feel like the one that's going to be kind of the walkover. And of course, as, as smart as I am, I'm sure I'll be wrong and we'll see them playing against Virginia in the final. But I think this is going to be an interesting final four from just a basketball standpoint. Oh, well, for some reason on the Better You Today text line 55305, there's a bunch of people who uh, are under the idea of Zion going playing in Europe. I think they're clowning on us. But, yes. um, <laughs> you know, the one thing I wanted to ask you is that uh, he he won some award like player of the year or something. I don't know. He won some award recently. Zion? Yeah. Won some kind of trophy. What are you talking? Well, basically, I was seeing some press conference he was at, and they were asking about what he was going to do next year. And, you know, he gave all the kind of typical answers of, you know, I got to talk to my family. We got to figure out what's best for us, the kind of too early thing. But there was almost like a twinge to him that seemed like he really wanted to stay in the college experience one more year. And I, I know it's kind of this is a typical hot take guy kind of thing of like, what if he stayed one more year? Because it would be almost... You know, it, it would be absolutely idiotic if he stayed one more year in basketball and stunted his potential by just one year. And also the kind of money that you can get, not only from shoe deals, but also your contract. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, do you think in any way he is even considering coming back? And if he does, do you think the other two bros do as well, Reddish? That would be interesting. I don't know how close those guys are. Uh, Zion has, you know... He, he, He's risen above those other two guys as far as personality goes. Just his style of play, I think, has kind of elevated him to the next stratosphere, like you said, the Zion cam that they have during the games. 
I don't know. I mean, that's that's the thing. He's a different kind of dude. That's the I think part of the appeal about him is the way that he handles himself is completely different than what I expected. I remember we talked about this at the beginning of the college basketball season. You asked me if there's any freshman or any you know, big time players in college basketball that I knew about. This was the only guy because you started seeing his highlight reels, his sophomore and junior year of high school. He's just, he's next level, but I don't know. I go back to the Bo Jackson comparison. He said, if the, if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers took him, he wouldn't play football. And everybody thought that would be idiotic, but he was upset that they ruined his opportunity to play college baseball. And just out of spite, he decided to go and play professional baseball instead of football where he was the better talent. And when he played for Oakland, he just showed up after the baseball season was over. He wasn't a guy that ever committed to it. So you wonder if Zion's just one of those guys where it's always come easy to him and he doesn't really care about being that superstar. It's going to happen anyways. So he might as well just do what he wants to do. So maybe he does. That would be, it'd be unprecedented, but it'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I, I think, you know, yeah, it, it's difficult for it's difficult for me to see him making a major impact like year one in, in, the, NBA. in the NBA. Yeah, and we talked but, about this well, last but what's, week, what's, too. What's the impact, him being a triple-double machine and going out there and, and well, leading his team to the, the finals? Compar- it's the comparison to LeBron James. I get You that. say that immediately when he gets there, he just absolutely – just changes the culture of the team and the trajectory of where they're going in the next five years. And I think he changes the fan experiences more more than anything. Yeah. I, I think what he does. So you think I he's think, more of like a Blake Griffin? Because you remember when yeah. Blake Griffin came to the Clippers mm-hmm. and it was kind of like that. Yeah, where he City. changed. It, it took a while and they had to get some pieces there for him, like Chris Paul. Well, but, but he missed his whole rookie year too with injury, didn't he? Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So but I guess his technical rookie year was yeah, his, yeah, yeah. his first his first whatever. year. Well, the same thing same thing with Ben Simmons is he's a guy that is going to change the hype around the team and it may not impact the team immediately, but at some point he's going to be one of those guys that somebody's going to want to come and play with. That's a sense that I get. Yeah. I don't maybe. Know. I don't know. He's not as fluid as LeBron James. And that's no. the comparison basketball wise that everybody kind of throws out is the whole LeBron James thing. And you know, last week we talked about this, we were watching highlight videos proactive kind of, versus reactive. Yeah. Is that, you know, you look at LeBron James rookie year highlights and you just look at Zion now and you're just like, wow, one dude being Zion is an absolute beast and he's a powerhouse and he out physicals everyone. And LeBron James, his rookie year looked like a 10 year vet. Like he just looked like a guy who already knew how to navigate the floor. He just didn't really know how to shoot very well at first. LeBron James, it felt like when we were watching those and just, and you know, just watching LeBron James over the years, he has as good of basketball instincts as anybody I've ever seen. Whereas Zion has as good of athletic instincts as anybody mm. I've ever seen. That That's kind of the difference. And that's why I go to a comparison outside of basketball for him. Cause I can't find one in basketball. There's very few people. I know people bring up Larry Johnson because of, you know, the, the physicality of it or whatever, but there's just certain dudes that, that just react as an athlete. Um, and usually that doesn't get you nearly as far in basketball unless you are upper echelon. That's why I don't think we've seen somebody like it. There's usually guys that can pick it apart pick you apart with their basketball IQ. And you wonder if that exposes them a little bit in the NBA, but I just, I don't know, man, there's so many good college basketball players out there. You think they'd have the ability to do that to them. And I haven't seen it. Mm. I don't know. Blazers lose. They've got one more against the nuggets and just a couple games to finish out the regular season. Do they need to stay on the four spot to be successful or are they going to have 
lack of success in the playoffs regardless. We'll figure that out next, but first, your news. If you my trend, make you my see the Orlando Magic wearing their uh, 90s throwback jerseys. Yeah, I saw the Trailblazers. Too. Oh, sorry, my bad. I always get those two teams mixed up, the Trailblazers and the Magic. I don't know why you think that's such a funny joke. It's not funny. It's an honest mistake that I mix up two irrelevant teams that are on either side of the coast of the United States. Who's the best player on the Magic? Uh, I'm going to say Ghost of Alfred Payton. <laughs> you got to give Damian Lillard some respect. Some iota, uh, some minuscule amount of respect that at least, at least, at least the Blazers have a franchise player. Yeah, for now. Yeah. And who's or, or who's who's the last seven years for the Orlando Magic? Who's the guy? Well, if we, uh, I mean, you can call them the Raptors all you want. That's fine. But if we look at the internet, if we look at the internet, try and find a guy that's been on the roster for seven consecutive years in Orlando. Aaron Gordon. I, Aaron yeah, Gordon's been, been on there, there for seven, seven years. years. No way. Come on. No way. He's at Arizona not that long ago. Four years. No. Four years for Aaron Gordon. Is that where you're going? Yeah, I'm saying four years he's been in the NBA. Okay. Aaron Gordon has Come on. been in the NBA for... Uh, yeah, about four years. Hey, oh, look how smart this guy is on his Orlando magic coming up on four years. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Th well, this is the finishing his fourth season. Hmm. Actually, he has had four seasons. Okay. So this is his fifth. Yeah. Well, whatever. It's closer than you. And it's not seven. Hmm. Okay. So anyways. I'm just saying how I like the old Penny Hardaway Shaq uniforms. Those are pretty cool. That's I always all like I those. And let me say this. I love the magic in the 90s. As a kid growing of course. up, like, I, I feel so fortunate that I was, um, you know, kid age in the 90s, like like aware kid age in the 90s, <laughs> age between 5 and 10. Yeah, yeah. Not people who were born in, like, 97. They're like, oh, I'm a 90s kid. No, no, you're not. You were you're born not. in the 90s, you yeah. moron. You are a 2000s kid. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like, Growing up in that decade and having dudes to look up to, like Hakeem Olajuwon, Drexler, Jordan, Shaq, like all those guys, like those series with the Magic and the Bulls and the Magic and the Rockets, loved them. Well, people forgot when the uh, the Magic went to the NBA Finals to get uh, beat up on by the Rockets, they had to play Jordan. Jordan was back for the end of that season wearing number 45. It's not like they went through, you know, the, the hapless Bulls that almost went to the NBA Finals without Jordan the year before when the Knicks went to play the Rockets. Oh, man, they were good. Yeah, well, you know how many, and I, I'm sure that you and I have been over this stat, but you know how many losses uh, Michael Jordan's first retirement equaled for the Bulls? No. They had one more loss the next year mm. without Jordan. I mean, that's how good that team was around him. Or is that how bad the NBA landscape was around Jordan? Is what some... Jordan naysayers would argue to you. There one, are people, dude, one there's loss. people that argue that like Michael Jordan just got really, really lucky in terms of the decade he played in. Cause if you look back to the late eighties, yeah. he had a lot of problems with the Pistons and the Celtics. Well, sure. But he was also a younger player and didn't have Scottie Pippen as his right hand yeah. man. Scottie Pippen was also a dream teamer and almost took the Blazers to an NBA finals. So I, you know, there's, there's a lot to it. Speaking of the Blazers, not going to the NBA finals. 
That's good. Thank you. Um, so it, they've made it to the the Nuggets. He's, the last two weeks, they haven't really played much for competition. They've just been kind of reeling along. Uh, no CJ waiting for him to return. We saw the big injury to Nurk. You have no Seth Curry last night, no CJ. Play a, play a decent game against the Nuggets. Did that give you any hope that if they can get those two guys back, Seth Curry's been kind of their scorer off the bench at times during the season. I don't know if he's somebody that you need to rely on in the playoffs, but oh, you're going to need to. But you well, you'd think yeah. he'd be in the rotation, but you need CJ back. But you saw a good effort from the rest of the team against a, a playoff team, and that it, that is fighting for position. Any hope from that game last night? Uh, I I didn't really take much from the game to be honest. I can't really say there was a lot of hope or the, there was no hope at all. It, it was a non-starter for me, and actually, I I don't. I kind of don't know what you're talking about when it comes to the effort thing, because there was a lot of plays during that game where, <laughs> like, there was a loose ball and it rolled out to a uh, a Denver player on the perimeter, and like nobody ran to contest a shot. <laughs> and I, I'm not I'm not trying to dig into them right now because yeah. I know they've been on a long stretch, and honestly, these are the last four games of the season, and you can just tell they're really tired. Damian Lillard looked really tired. 14 points, dude. I mean, that's yep. ridiculous. When your lead scorer is Enos Cantor, you know there's something kind of going wrong. So, I, I mean, for me, there's not really a lot to take away, but there's a little bit to worry about because now, like I said in my horribly flubbed update, Blazers, one game now separates them between having home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs and not. And so you you, you look at these last three games and you go, dude, we got to win out. Nuggets, we, Lakers, Kings. Yeah, you, there's a very good chance you can win out. LeBron's shut down. Kings are the Kings. Well, and they're out of the playoffs. Everybody yeah. in the Western Conference outside of the playoffs is eliminated. There's nobody playing to get into a spot. Yeah, you're not really going to play yourself into a uh, three spot at this point. But y- if you can maintain that home court advantage in the first round, I mean, you're giving your yourself a really good chance to accomplish what ultimately everybody feels like is their goal this year, right? Yeah. Get past the first round of the playoffs. Kind of. Yeah, I think that's it. Win win some games and uh, in the playoffs because it's been ten straight. NBA playoff games for the Blazers since they've gotten a win. So oh. even make it a series yes, would be nice. Yes, please. Game seven? <laughs> Could we? Could we just? Dude, I love game seven. I, that would get me so jacked up if yeah. we got to a game seven. Now, it wouldn't, like, excuse any of the disappointment <laughs> I feel about my team, but it also would make me feel pretty good about the season if we got to a game seven. Well, there you go. So it's not even winning the first yeah. round series. It now. would just be exciting. Oh, you know imagine I mean? a game six. Well, See, now, now you need home playoffs so that you can have game seven at home. Yeah, and just yeah. last year's series was just so demoralizing after that first game because – one, they just looked like crap in game one, and the way it ended, it was just really disappointing. And then you go to game two, and you just started to get this sinking feeling like, oh, crap, they're going to lose this series. Yeah. And then three and four were just, like, unwatchable. So I made a comment earlier this week. I was filling in for primetime, Isaac and I, and I uh, <clears throat> we were talking about Mike McCarthy, and somehow we got onto Marty Schottenheimer, and I compared Terry Stotts to Marty Schottenheimer. Oh, it's an interesting comparison. Yeah, uh, Mike and Isaac both took kind of offense to it, so I just looked at it. The Blazers get swept out of the playoffs again this year. Terry Stott's playoff winning percentage will drop below that of Marty Schottenheimer. Mm. <laughs> well, and also, personality-wise, they're kind of similar because none of them have the accolades, but they're both revered in their own sports as yep. kind of like, I don't want to say geniuses, but like really, really bright. Like Ter- Terry Stotts. Uh, basketball has, Yeah, Terry Stotts yeah. has his, this is his uh, third 50-game se- winning, 50-win season. 
for the Blazers. His win percentage uh, career is just over 500. Uh, he's got a 300 winning percentage in the playoffs. I mean, good news for him is like if he gets fired, which by the way, if they do get swept, swept out, they should. Oh, dude, if you're swept, yeah, you I don't. Get fired. I don't care how many guys you're missing. No. Even if you play without CJ, get him out of here. Yeah, and start calling him Terry Stottenheimer. <laughs> Hashtag Stottenheimer. Hashtag Stottenheimer. Um, but you know. Uh, he's going to get hired somewhere yep. really quick. I mean, yep. that was San the case Diego. with Dwayne Wait, Casey. No. You know, Chargers. Dwayne. <laughs> but he will. He will. He'll get hired somewhere really yeah. quick. It was the same situation with Dwayne Casey, and that's kind of how I view the Blazers right now. It's the same situation the Raptors had, which was like, you're playing extremely well, and yeah. you have the right personnel. It's just you have some mental block in the playoffs. There's you somebody just, in your way. Something's going yep. on. Yeah, yep. it's either somebody or it's just the way you play in the playoffs. It's not conducive to advancing. Yep, exactly. And uh, maybe you you mix up the chemistry by by bringing in some new blood. Yeah. I always bring up Mark Jackson was was well on the way to turning the Warriors into a contender. They brought in Steve Kerr, took him over the edge. So you don't think Mark Jackson could have done that? I you don't know because you never had the option. But Steve Kerr obviously uh, has had unprecedented success as a head coach for the Warriors. So it's hard to complain that they made the wrong move there. I just want Neil Olshay gone. Good versus evil is next. You're listening to The Sinner and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. Have you been too busy to keep up on sports this week? What has happened to the, What has happened? What has happened to the national interest? No time to form your own opinions? I stand before you here today in the midst of gnarly times. Well, no worries, brah. Let The Sinner and the Saint shred the gnar while you just sit back and ride the wave. It's time for Good versus Evil, brought to you by the Titan of Hawaiian Restaurants, 808 on 1080 The Fan. <laughs> Have y'all ever heard of Yoko Ono? The rest, Did you yeah. hear what she yeah, happened to the beat? Yes. Did you hear? No joke. That's how Jason Whitlock started talking about Russell Wilson. Wait, one more time. <laughs> Yoko Ono. <laughs> Have y'all ever heard of Yoko Ono? Get out of here. Did you hear yeah, what she yeah, happened absolutely. to the beat? Yes. Did you hear? That's true. I literally had to restart the video three times just <laughs> to make sure. That's how he started a conversation about Russell Wilson. Yeah, well. The Seahawks franchise quarterback showed a little strong arming this week, giving the franchise an April 15th deadline to get a contract written up. So actually, this deadline aligns with the start of offseason training for the team. He was the second highest paid player in the NFL four years ago. Do you think he will become the highest paid player now? Yeah. Yes, because quarterbacks of his caliber, I mean, he's top five, top 10 quarterback. Uh, I think that's pretty safe to say. And every time they get a new contract, these guys just rotate into the top spot. It, it's not even that big of a deal. But the thing that I couldn't figure out did he say he wouldn't report if he doesn't have or he would end negotiations if he doesn't have a contract extension? I think he said he just wanted it to. So no, it's not he said, like no, a... what, no, what he said, I'll tell you what he said because I read what he said. Oh, he said, okay. well, but he goes, uh, I will not negotiate. Negotiations will come to a halt at April 15th because he wants to focus on playing and not worry about the contract. He didn't say I won't report. I won't show up to any offseason workouts. I won't play for the Seahawks this year without a contract extension. A little weird that he's putting the deadline at the very start of training. That's all I'm saying. Uh, yeah, but I think that's the end of negotiations when I start training. That's fine. Like, whatever it is. It's not, yeah, Yoko Ono. He's <laughs> First of all, does that mean the Seahawks or the Beatles? Yeah, and who's Ringo? <laughs> um, just enjoy college. 
uh, with my friends and teammates and sit down with my family and discuss what our next move will be. That was genetically modified humanoid sent from the future for reasons that uh, are not quite clear to us yet. Zion Williamson. Mark Stein from the New York Times is actually reporting that USA Basketball is gauging interest from Williamson in joining the 12-man roster going to China for the World Championships this summer. All other players on the roster are veterans, and Greg Popovich is the coach. Do you consider this an opportunity marketing-wise for Zion or ultimately a risk? Uh, marketing opportunity. I think everything he does is a marketing opportunity, especially in the world today where everything is caught on film. The guy can't do a scrimmage. I saw three clips this week from him scrimmaging and dunking on high school kids and college kids and pro athletes. I mean, everything this guy does is a marketing opportunity. I mean, if you did anything in the social media realm as a profession, you would know that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, but you have to think I about people in general, not yes, specifically. Thank you very much. You have to think about the uh, the risk associated with the two and the fears that you're going to have, right? If you go and play for the USA basketball team and then you... Paul George it? Yeah, yeah dude. Listen, if you're a basketball player and you're afraid to go play basketball, stop playing basketball. Idiot. Wow. That's dumb. Old man take. What? It's, it's important. Um, you know, you got home court advantage now. You know, playing at home, I think it's big. Last year we were able to uh, be in the seventh uh, seat in the east and... Um, we went to a game seven with uh, Boston and lost the game. And if we ha had the home court advantage then, we'd be probably advanced in the second round. So it's really important for us. And Any guess, guess what he was talking about? Like no. before the last five seconds. <laughs> that was more talented and less annoying version of Anthony Davis, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And he had himself a night on Thursday during a win against the 76ers. 45 points, 13 boards, six assists, and five blocks the performance wrapped up a top seed in the east and playoffs uh and i'm sorry home court advantage all throughout the playoffs it also suggested the mvp voters may want to reconsider selecting james harden for the association's top prize do you expect milwaukee to make the eastern conference finals this year I'm trying to think of who really stands in their way. I mean, you've got Toronto and Boston, Philadelphia. Boston would be the only thing I could think of because they're aligned in a way where that's, they're going to see them in the second round, potentially. Well, yeah, no, but I, mean, you're gonna, but I think you're going to have to beat some combination of teams, right? Toronto, Philadelphia, Boston. Boston has been hot and cold all year. The thing about Milwaukee is they've been consistent. I know that we think it's Giannis and a bunch of dudes, but I think their team's a lot better than that. They seem, they seem to have kind of a... Tough attitude about him. Uh, Eric Bledsoe rifling the ball at Joel Embiid this week. And that was fantastic. I mean, he's only outsized by about a foot and a half, it looked like, on the tape. And then you see him just not afraid to back down to anybody. I think this team's got a good attitude about him. And I don't think that they're going to be scared by any of their playoff demons like Toronto, even with Kawhi Leonard, has been. Toronto, uh, or I'm sorry, Philadelphia is a team, to me, that hasn't showed enough consistency. I thought they would be the top spot in the East fighting with Boston, and neither of those teams have taken it over. So I'll take Milwaukee as a, as a conference, uh, conference champion, yeah. I think they easily get themselves into the second round, but, uh, you know, depending on where Malcolm Brogdon's going to come into this equation, which it kind of seems like he won't, that yeah. might be a point where you start losing some depth and you go, yeah, I don't think we can keep up with everybody. Dude, the amount of stress that's going to be put on Giannis's shoulders for this, and yep. it's been like this every single playoffs that he's been in, where it ultimately just comes down to him 
late yeah. in games. But like, they, how they also haven't been favored that? in any playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I'm actually just really scared. I didn't hear a word you said. Oh, cool. So, time for my favorite story of the week, and this one comes from Wisconsin. Are you ready for a... Uh, Hey, guys, are you ready for a relatable headline? <laughs> Am I ever? Woman calls police after husband bring homes, quote, wrong type of chicken. <laughs> Wait, what? Has that ever happened to you, Luke? You, you go out to get the uh, the chicken for the night, and then you, you bring it home, and the wife goes, this isn't the right chicken. Actually, and then she calls the cops on you. I actually brought home the wrong chicken last night. Well, did Sharon call the cops on you? No, Sharon wasn't home. I was picking up the uh, the children. They were uh, over at a friend's house doing kind of a play date thing with Emmett and Jack, having a good old time. And so I swung by uh, the Fred Myers on the way home. I'm like, I'll pick up dinner. I'll grab a rotisserie chicken. When I get home, it will be ready to eat so I don't have to prepare food for the girls. Right? Smart guy. They had one that was pieced out, but it wasn't rotisserie chicken. It was baked chicken, and it had hard spots all over it. I was like, Oh, good. I don't even have to dissect the chicken because of rotisserie chicken. You have to cut it all up. Mm. But I'm like, look, this one's already cut up. How nice of them to use their sharp knives to cut my chicken. No, it was baked chicken. And I got home, and there was uh, crusty spots on the end of uh, the, the breast and the thigh pieces. It's wrong chicken. It was the wrong chicken. I will say the leg was fantastic. But it didn't make up for them ruining the breast and the thigh pieces. A Wisconsin woman called police on Sunday after she got into an argument with her husband when he brought home the quote-unquote wrong type of chicken. Cops received a call just after 7.30 p.m. from a woman, 40, who reported a verbal argument with a 37-year-old husband. Brown Deer Police wrote in a release titled, Noteworthy Calls from the Weekend. Police later found out the couple got into an argument after the husband allegedly purchased the wrong piece of poultry. The man later agreed to stay with his father for the night. That really, that sends you away for the night. What kind of chicken did he get? I'm very curious about this. I mean, this is obviously a Did he not get problems. extra crispy? I don't know. Like, I mean, that's my curiosity. I just, I, I need to know what kind of chicken it is. But yeah, I went through this whole scenario yesterday, but no, nobody needed to call the cops. I this just, sounds like this has been building up for this couple. That's what I mean. Like this, this, this yeah. is, this has been like something that's been waiting for a while. And now we're finally having the conflict. It's not really about the chicken, is it? No, it's not. There's some underlying issues within yeah. this family. Yeah. The family it's dynamic has not been a great fractured. bedroom relationship. Something's no. going wrong in the bedroom. Well, listen, Brown Deer has been in an economic Slump. Is that what it's called? Brown Deer? The, yeah, they, that's the, right. The town is Brown Deer. Yeah. Yeah. They have not been doing good economically lately. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure on all the residents of Brown Deer. Yeah. And we can trust your uh, take on this because you were, in fact, a reporter for Brown Deer five years ago. <laughs> I worked for the Brown Deer Gazette for years, and then I moved up to Channel 26, mm -hmm. the Brown Deer local news channel. WXAJ. WXAJ, yep. local cable access news in yeah. brown deer wisconsin yeah that was brave of you man you were a, I, you were a man on the street up there in brown deer well listen my search for the pre perfect cheese curd brought me up to brown deer and uh once i fell got there i fell in love and that's when times were good and i left when hardship uh, struck after 2007 uh they never really recovered from that housing bubble i thought you got fired for barfing on a uh, weather woman that also happened oh okay uh, that is your good versus evil. It is brought to you by our friends at 808, the Titan of Hawaiian restaurants at 2454 East Burnside or 52nd 
and Woodstock, they always have the right chicken. <laughs> oh. Actually, they're Korean chicken. Awesome. Oh, really? Also, their shoyu chicken, really good. I told you as a pescatarian, my uh, mom and brother didn't want, uh, or they wanted to go there. And I go, well, I there's nothing for me to eat there. And I go, but you should go because, you know, the station does it. Absolutely loved it. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, we need to talk about uh, <clears throat> kind of the same thing we are just talking about, a fractured relationship in Wisconsin. Yeah. Not going well for uh, the divorce between the Packers head coach and quarterback. We'll talk about that. Jen Ellis is going to be joining us again. We're going to give him, giving Will Darkens a little baseball trivia. See how he does. Uh, the whole goal of this is to make Will Darkens a baseball fan by the end of the year. Let's see how that goes. We'll do it all in hour two of The Center and the Saint right here on 1080 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.